Hello, all, and welcome. This is your weekly tech news hour. I'm your host, Rich Straffolino. Thanks for joining us. This is our second episode here. I think our first one was a smashing success here on WRUW. So if you tuned into that, thank you. If you didn't, I'm still going to thank you for listening to this one because I'm not petty like that. Uh, like I said, I'm your host, Rich Straffolino. We're here to talk some tech news. Sitting across from me, I have, of course, my guest for this week. You may know him here on WRUW. If you're not familiar, he's a bon vivant. He's a, a man who does not like to be on the radio when the sun's up, from my understanding. But uh, he's a really cool guy, and he has some, some sweet hot takes. So, of course, everybody, give a hand wherever you are. Work, car, take your hands off that wheel. For the one, the only, Trevor Taylor. Trevor, thank you. you that was appropriate. Now, Trevor, before... I was supposed to play a, a promo about this, but yes. before we begin, mm-hmm. I just need to let you know, and all of our listeners know, mm-hmm. that the following views and opinions expressed on this show are only those of the producers and guests, yourself included, and are not necessarily those of Case Western Reserve University, WRUW-FM, and its staff or management. I see. I just want to clear that up right away. Okay. But uh, big week in technology news. Uh, the first big thing that happened is I'm fading this down, but we had some big news coming up. Uh, in regards to some mergers, some mergers and acquisitions, some high business news, Trevor, are you That's excited right. about that? Very excited. I love mergers. <laughs> I, I hope that uh, by the end of this decade, we will have only just one company. Yes, it will be called Apple, Amazon, Soft. Disney. D- oh, yes, it'll be called Disney. We'll get into that in a little bit. But breaking today was news that uh, FCC chairman or chairperson, mm-hmm. Ajit Pai, uh, recommended approving of the Sprint T-Mobile merger. This has been on the table now, I think, over a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been some antitrust concerns. There are still some things that need to happen for this to go, but this is pretty a pretty good sign here. Yeah. And the reason that this kind of got announced today was that the two companies both, uh, or, or they came together in part of their proposal, they kind of amended it to make some more friendly moves that wouldn't make them such a wouldn't make it such an oligopoly, I guess, amongst the big three remaining yeah. uh, carriers. They agreed to one uh, spinoff, Boost Mobile. There was actually a big concern. You know, the prepaid market, I think, gets a little bit of a short shrift in a lot of ways. I think, oh, you're prepaid. Mm-hmm. Oh, you NVMO. Um, but uh, you know, it's a it's a really big market, especially if you don't have access to credit. Kind of important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, so they're spinning off Boost Mobile. They'll still retain Metro knee metro pcs mm-hmm. uh and they will which is owned by t-mobile and uh, virgin mobile which i believe is another sprint nvmo uh net virtual network operator whatever yes. uh will still remain with those two merged companies but boost mobile kind of getting spun out and the other big thing is that they are bringing or they're committing to a three-year 5g build out plan yeah which is kind of a big deal um and so i guess they agreed that they would invest in infrastructure which seems like something a carrier might want to do yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then uh, and then they're also agreeing not to raise rates uh, mm-hmm. over the next uh, while they're building that. So basically, not raise rates over the next three years. This is kind of part of the idea of building out a mobile broadband to more rural areas and that kind of stuff. So where do we? F- I mean, we were talking a little bit before the show here, Trevor. Mm-hmm. Now I am kind of biased. I'm a Sprint uh, uh, patron. I'm a Sprint, Sprint subscriber. Not. Patron, I guess is the wrong word. I'm a yeah. Sprint subscriber. Sure. So I have a vested interest mm. in their their terrible, in my opinion, network getting less terrible, yeah. which would seem to be the case maybe here. Um, a little scary, though. We're only down to three major telecoms yeah. uh, or, or mobile telecoms. It's definitely, yeah. It, it It's a, oh, this is such a cliche. It's a double-edged sword. What? Because, <laughs> no, because, yeah, you, you, like you were saying, Sprint 
has in general lagged behind the others in terms of just service mm-hmm. as a major carrier, quote unquote major carrier. I mean, their ad campaigns pretty much just boil down to, hey, all cell phone services are pretty much the same. Choose us. <laughs> yeah, it's like, listen, okay, yes, we're not as good, but not as good is still decent. Yeah, which there is a there is a kernel of truth there. I mean, I, yeah. I have to. I, we were joking, you know. I was saying I'm a Sprint member because I don't want people to call me, but you know. For the simple fact of the matter is, yeah, my download speeds are not as good mm-hmm. as T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon in general. And again, I'm not comparing them actively because I'm not a weirdo. Yeah. But on the other hand, it, you know, to take it back uh, before, the last major merger with T-Mobile that was proposed was AT&T, right? In yeah. 2012, I think, yeah. was going to buy under the, the stewardship of a Tom Wheeler-led FCC, yeah. uh, was going to purchase T-Mobile. And at the time, T-Mobile was laughable, right? Everyone else had 4G networks. Mm-hmm. They were doing their weird HSPA Plus, basically glorified 3G network that they were trying to sell as 4G, mm-hmm. uh, which AT&T took the spirit of when they created 5GE Evolution, yep. yeah, which exactly. is just a marketing term. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, But what I think is interesting there is... It seemed like T-Mobile could never catch up, right? They were way behind in infrastructure spend. It looked like they were never going to roll out 4G. Their service was laughable. Yeah. Their phones were old. And pretty aggressively, over, uh, you know, under the pugnacious leadership of their CEO, John Legere, turned the company around pretty substantially to the point where they're basically tied with Sprint as the number three network. I think they overtook them in terms of raw subscribers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there's, that's not to say that under the right leadership, theoretically, Sprint at some point in the future couldn't be a little bit more competitive, a little bit other than on cost, which I think is their major selling point right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if if this goes through, I, I guess the the question is, you know, um, have you been following a lot of the five G news uh, coming yeah, out? I've yeah, I've been trying to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if if you're not I guess, familiar with what what 5G is supposedly supposed to bring. It's not just a speed enhancement. We've seen the first rollouts of 5G uh, in Korea. It's it's lit up all across Korea, and we have like six blocks of it in the United States and like Minnesota and Chicago. Yeah. But you're getting gigabit downloads right now. Admittedly, there's three people on the network, and two of them work for Verizon or something like that. Yeah. But um, the, you know, the idea is not, it's not just that it's like four or five times faster than the best 4G theoretically. Mm-hmm. It's also that the it, it provides a lot of bandwidth for a lot of connections per cell tower, um, which is really important. So if you've ever been at like a baseball game, y- yes, trying yes. to post to social media is a nightmare. Not usually a problem at an Indians game, though. Well, yeah, I mean, you and your you know four thousand best friends uh, mm-hmm. can all post to Facebook all you want. Uh, on the rare day when they have 90s throwback night and everyone shows up because they remembered, oh, we have a baseball team again. Yeah. Uh, then it becomes much more difficult. Um, so the the idea with 5G is then you you can you can put more uh, connections to a single cell tower. Yeah. And that makes it a lot better. It makes it a lot better for using it as a replacement for wired internet as well. Yes. So if we can get that to you know rural areas that that are basically on DSL or horrible satellite hookups that have high latency, have you ever used a satellite hookup, Trevor? No. 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 Would you ever want to? Uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> but you got to try some. You got to try some new things sometimes, you know. But the idea being that you don't have to wait for someone to roll out fiber or something yeah. to your area. You can just, hey, I have this little thing I stick in my room, you know, yes. and I can get very high speed uh, bandwidth. It, it, you know, if they can deliver on that, if the end result is that we are saturated with five G, you know, coast to coast, that's affordable yeah. and great. Um, I am. It is interesting though. I mean, we've seen. I think under the leadership of FCC Chairman Ajit Pai, a little bit more of a conservative trend. I don't think that's bold of me to say. No, no, not at all. So being a little bit, uh, I would say this merger is definitely pro, it's certainly making the shareholders for T-Mobile and Sprint very happy. Yes. So 
I don't see this not going through unless the Justice Department comes through. They're still doing an investigation for antitrust grounds. A mm -hmm. couple states' attorneys general. Yes. Not states' attorney general. Yeah. That would be wrong. State State attorneys, attorneys general, general yes, correct. are also investigating this on anti-competitive grounds. So it may get held up there, but it seems like if Pi is, uh, is signaling that he's going to, is said, stated explicitly mm. that he's going to approve this, you know the other two uh, Republican FCC commissioners are going to approve it. Mm -hmm. It's going to so it's going to pass on a party line vote. It may also pass unanimously. I don't know what the composition of the FCC uh, commissioners are. Yeah, uh, but it seems like this, unless we get some anti-competitive stuff from the Justice Department, is a done deal. Yeah. So we will we will see what that means. What what do you think they're going to call? Is it T Rent? Trent? <laughs> will that be the name of? Hmm. Hold on. Let's see. Yeah. You got a. Uh... Uh, S Mobile. We could do S or Mobile. Strobel. Stromobile. Stromobile. These are all quality names. We're available anytime. Uh, how sad will you be to see Paul from Sprint, formerly Verizon? Can you hear me now, guy? No longer possibly doing the ads. I mean, I'm sure he'll end up on a pay-as-you-go plan. <laughs> he'll move over to Boost Mobile. He'll, yeah. he'll move over to that brand. Yeah, he'll get spun off with Boost Mobile. Yeah, <laughs> he's part of the deal. So, yes, in, in the, the grand tradition of terrible uh, uh, car cell carrier spokespeople, Paul, we will miss you if, if indeed this is your twilight hour. Well, I mean, it, he, he did very well to even get back into the scene with Sprint. So, yeah, I mean, a really good second act for him. This is true. I mean, and we've, I've been told that there are no second acts uh, in American life. Mm -hmm. um, but so good on you, Paul, for hanging around and doing nothing, and, uh, which. I don't want to be unfair to that guy. He's making a living. No, am, I, I, am I jealous of him? Yes. No, I mean, here's the thing. He's living a life. He's What he's doing, and he, he's walking around. He's making sure that the cell phone service is working wherever he goes. Yes. That's a very important, I mean, that's important. He's probably, yeah. And let's be honest. He puts on a different pair of glasses. Yes. Nobody recognizes him. But no. when he wants that sweet, can you hear me now? You know, he goes into a bar, flips on those horn rims all oh, of a sudden. Yeah. Ladies. Everybody, everybody can see him now. Ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, speaking of uh, unavoidably seeing something, uh -oh. you may be forced soon to unavoidably see Disney everywhere you went. We already know they already have are the hearts and minds of all children everywhere pretty much locked down. They're, yeah. they're programming the youths. Mm -hmm. um, we're now getting second generation films <laughs> that are based on films that exist. Yes. That are just scene-for-scene scene reshots of films that exist, but yes. in live action instead of animated. Mm -hmm. So Disney, very creative. Uh, if you were around anyone that was under the age of 12 when Frozen came out, you know uh, they can really just program you to say anything that they want um, at that point. So Disney, a giant media company. They bought Marvel over yeah. the last couple of years, so now they own... You know, they get some geek cred. Mm -hmm. um, they uh, they just completed uh, an acquisition of Fox's uh, 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 movie assets. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't. They're not buying the Fox News. Don't worry, Fox News people. Don't worry. <laughs> you're not getting your your. I can't even. Sean Han, your Sean Hannity is not getting Disneyfied. Okay, <laughs> he is he is a prince in my heart though. Mm. Um, but so, I think they they're they're saying they're going to control about forty percent of all movie releases or something yes. ridiculous like that right yeah that yeah so now disney uh, i don't know if you've you've heard they have a a uh they've announced a streaming service we don't know all of the details quite yet but they're coming with their own streaming service with netflix amazon prime video all these other things it's priced very aggressively below pretty much everybody else in the category yes. but they're going to have the entire disney back catalog yeah. they're going to have all the star wars they're going to have all the marvel movies going forward gradually shifting off netflix just 
really dominating uh, a lot of the media landscape. And now some of the other news is that they've just bought a controlling stake in Hulu. Mm-hmm. Right, or they bought yes. out the control. They bought out uh, NBC Universal. Yes, uh, yes, and yeah, the last. Or they will 30, be buying them out. In they the, will be buying them the out. Few they, years. They're taking. <laughs> they're taking total control. It's like a weird mafia yeah. thing. They're like, listen, we're going to run your business. We're going to take all the profits, yep. and we're going to shovel you a little money. Yeah. AKA billions and billions of dollars yep. to NBC Universal. Um, so they're going to have two streaming networks. Mm-hmm. And I also just found out this very interesting story. They also own a streaming service in India. Yes. Called Hotstar, um, which sounds like a head shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Hotstar Boutique. Um, and that just set a world record for the most streams. They stream all the cricket tournaments or mm-hmm. the big cricket tournament leagues, which, yeah. if you don't know, is like countries shut down for cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I learned that from Andy Zaltzman. And so they, they hosted, I think it was 18.6 million concurrent streams at once. In comparison, the most U.S. stream... Uh, was that dude that jumped from space? I yeah. think that was like eight million concurrent streams. Yeah, and so not just in the U, you know, it's it's not just the U.S. or English speaking uh, uh, countries. You know, they're internationally this streaming giant now. Mm-hmm. And again, this kind of gets back to the the Sprint T-Mobile question. But how concerned are we about Disney? Just basically owns all of entertainment now. <laughs> it is concerning, <laughs> but we're already seeing this like this. Um... I mean, in the past few years, all these new streaming services launching, people, you know, the the, the remaining content providers, let's say, are, uh, uh, yeah, they're they're very slowly realizing we need to chip off our stuff. We don't, we can't put it on Netflix anymore. We got it. We can make more money keeping it in house. So you're going to see, you know, NBC Universal, uh, Warner Brothers. They're all launching services within the next year or two, and we're 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 going to be pretty much be back to, I think. You know, like cable, but post-cable. But now <laughs> yeah. we're paying for each individual service rather than cutting the cord and just getting Netflix and Hulu and calling it a day. What, what I think is going to be very funny is in like three years, there's going to be a company that comes out and they're going to go, listen, you hate subscribing to all these streaming services. They all have different rates. And their billing dates at different times. Here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You pay mm-hmm. us one big fee and we charge a convenience fee on top of that and some other taxes and fees. We're going to send you... All of your streams at once. You only have to like we're just yeah. going to reverse engineer cable. Yeah. At some point, but it's going to be like the way that AT and T all came back together after they got broken up. Exactly. Yeah. And it, well, or yeah, maybe we'll have two. Com- you know, it'll be the Verizon and AT and T show. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Ma Bell. Um, it's kind of like Liquid Metal. Is the yeah? Uh, it's is like the yeah. T two. Yeah. Like- exactly. Thank you for T one thousand. Technically, yes. Now we're getting very specific. Anyway, <laughs> the but the idea though that not just that Disney is this behemoth, right? Because I mean, we know that a lot of the movies that we're going to be seeing, but the the idea that their properties are so disparate that you might not even know that you're watching Disney stuff. Like True. you could be like, man, Disney's stupid. Like, yeah, they, they have you know they're going to be streaming everything from The Simpsons to Star Wars new series mm-hmm. to Marvel movies, mm-hmm. basically anything that has. You know, kind of some some pop culture relevance. It seems like Disney has a, a little bit of a hand in, right? Outside yeah. of like Game of Thrones, it's like the, yeah. like literally, and AT and T owns that, yeah, because they bought HBO. Right. So and Sesame Street, like it's like yes, Game of Thrones and Sesame Street <laughs> are the two holdouts from Disney. I'm sure they're working on it at some point, but just I mean, kind of weird that both Marvel and Disney were I mean weren't on the ropes, but yeah. had rough patches. Where it looked like okay, they're they're fading from pop yeah. culture relevance, and now all of a sudden they're just this unstoppable juggernaut. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah, it, yeah. Especially going back to even the '80s, it seemed like you know 
Disney didn't have like a hit movie in a little while. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know what? What's it? Beauty and the Beast turns starts turning things around. <laughs> start... oh, Little Little Mermaid, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. That's the yes, first the one. Disney Correct. Renaissance. Correct, the Disney Renaissance. Yes. We're, we're now in the neo Disney Renaissance that they are forcing on us. Yes, for pop culture reasons. It's the Disney Renaissance, as you said, shot for shot remake. Yeah. <laughs> Please, everybody, uh, Aladdin. What a great film that will be, I'm sure. I'm, and I, what I love is that it's a total coincidence that now I'm the age that my parents were when they took me to see the originals, and yes. now I have children yep. just when these remakes are coming out. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's. I mean, it's what's weird Must is be that a big coincidence. Yeah, it's mm. weird that that minds my nostalgia yeah. in a weird way. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's good for Disney. Very fortuitous, but totally serendipitous timing. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Um. Yeah, this very... You've done it again, Bob. A, a, <laughs> just a weird moment, though, for... And again, yeah, we're, we're, we're already seeing the streaming fatigue of people going, I don't know who I'm going to subscribe to. I mean, the, the good thing is yeah. there's no contracts anymore, right? That'll, that'll be the thing. It's like once Disney has the streaming service going for a while, they'll be like, listen, we'll cut a dollar off per month if you sign up for two years. That'd be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. But, the, I mean, at least the good thing is now that if, you know, again, you're done with... Game of Thrones. Okay, I can not subscribe to HBO now anymore. Yeah. Now, now, um, you know, I can go over to Netflix, watch uh, whatever I want to watch over there. You know, so you. Yeah. You know, it's it's just I think we're just all lazy people, and mm-hmm. we don't want to have to click buttons to unsubscribe to stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really a pain. Yeah. Um, and that's what's going. It, it's going to be like um, AOL dial-up service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where people are just paying for stuff they don't even realize it for years and yes. years, and just be like, Grandma, you you've never watched HBO. Oh. I just thought that was a convenience fee. I'm <laughs> um, sorry, Grandma. You don't sound like that at all. And oh. she pays for HBO because she watches it. I love you, Grandma. Well, it's not TV. Speaking of things that are unsettling and weird, mm-hmm. Trevor, have you seen anything about foldable PCs, pers- have, personal computers? I had been reading about foldable phones. Yes. But now I see that the technology has already <laughs> moved on. We've gotten bored. In- we've we've already broken that. We've proven that the oh, foldable phone. It. Yeah. <laughs> We've broken it in. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, so if you've, if you've watched any technology news at all in the past three, four weeks, you've seen the saga of the, the Samsung Galaxy Fold. Sweet name, by the way. Yeah, um, the, it had all sorts of problems. P- review units were breaking. Hadn't even been released yet. They have pledged. They've canceled the pre-orders, kind of. But if they deliver it by the end of the month, They'll still ship it. So whatever. The foldable yeah. phone future is very much up in the air. Mm-hmm. We've had one device and it's kind of broken. Now Lenovo is showing off a foldable, uh, basically a foldable laptop. So yes. instead of it being, you know, it folds into a little tablet, it still folds into a little tablet. They're all just foldable tablets. Yeah. But this one is meant to be used in more of a traditional uh, PC form factor. And it does have some cool ideas. For example, they put the battery, like kind of intentionally weighted it with the battery on one end instead of spreading it out. Yeah. So if you have it folded, you can put it on your lap. It's not going to flip right over. It's it, it does have some good weight to it there. They, in the in the test units that they've shown people, and this is all test. This is not a product, a finished product they're going to release. Yeah. I think it was a finished product that they were going to release, and then they saw everything going on with Samsung, and they're like, we're going to hold off here. But... The, you know, the idea being, okay, I can make it in a laptop. I can use it as kind of like a book form factor if I want to read some ebooks or just just have be able to hold this large display a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I was impressed that the bezel didn't seem like kind of out of control. It had maybe like a, I don't know, maybe like a third of an inch bezel kind of all around, which is yes. pretty impressive in a, like an 11-inch device or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like a tablet from like, I don't know, 2012 was the, the equivalent bezel. So pretty good. Um, but what need does the the foldable display is it just about 
okay, I can have a big, I can literally, like, I just have a big screen and it becomes half the size. Is that the appeal of it? Mm-hmm. I, 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 it, I truly have been <laughs> trying to grasp it. Like, re- every article I've read, and I just, it just seems like we're doing this to do it because there's, the technology is sort of plateaued a little bit and we just mm-hmm. have nothing, we have nowhere else to go as of now before, I, I don't know. <laughs> I can, don't know. Can you think of another technology like this that, where we we where it's it's just out there to be out there and to see what people will do with it because ultimately at at some point you have to do that right we don't know what the killer app you know we didn't know what the killer app for a PC was until IBM made you know the original personal computer and they were like oh spreadsheets duh this is we're gonna sell a billion of these and and then get bought up by or then get ruined by Microsoft yep um, but you know there there are some creative uh, use cases for this, I'm sure. You know, the, again, the idea of a giant uh, uh, display with pen input that you can fold up. You know, I could see a graphic artist being like, "Hey, this allows me to be even more mobile." Yeah, I could see a company like Microsoft that makes the Surface line of tablets. Mm-hmm. This could be an interesting, you know, idea again to, to kind of move these bigger screens into a more portable direction. But with all the compromise that you have to make with with kind of moving parts and and that we've, we've seen, you know, with things getting behind the display in the yeah. Galaxy Fold. Do you think this will ever be anything other than niche device? Or, or are we just too close to the kind of this emerging tech? I think it's, I think it might be a little bit of that. I think it's just like you got to start somewhere and this is what it looks like right now. But it might not catch on for another five or ten years as, you know, they slowly work out the bugs. I think where it's going to fit, but right now we're we're kind of shoving it into devices that already yeah, exist. That right? already exist. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so we're doing cell phones. We're doing laptops. Where I I could see this being interesting is like, I don't know, uh, the idea of wearables. I think we're still in a very rudimentary place with the Apple Watch or yeah. or fitness trackers and that kind of stuff. Maybe again, not necessarily something that you you fold regularly, but a display that can be molded, mm-hmm. and if they can bring that cost down. So that it can be in any shape that you want and have some bit of flexibility, so it exists better in the real world. Yeah, I could definitely see that having applications. For sure. Even if I, even if they would be very annoying. For sure. Like you know the LED belt buckle that's super cool. Just <laughs> yes. imagine if you had like yeah. a full color display belt that you could wear. You would be <laughs> the coolest dude. It'd be like yeah, you know like high school like cafeteria where the, uh, <laughs> the lunch <laughs> just, specials are just listed constantly on that one. have your number. Just yeah. going around the belt there. It would be it would be super sweet. Yep. Uh, I need to change my belt wallpaper before I leave that to match my outfit. <laughs> that would be great. I, but the other, on the other hand, I also see this possibly being a little bit more like e-ink, where when the Kindle or when the Sony e-readers, that first generation of e-readers first came out, there was a lot of hype. Like, oh man, it's so great! You know, it's it's really uh, it's not stressful on the eyes. Mm-hmm. It's really great with battery life. Eventually, we're gonna you know we're gonna bring color to it, and the refresh rate's gonna get better, so it doesn't take like three seconds to flip a page. And then it'll you know this is gonna transform everything. And we never really saw that with E-Ink. No. We, I mean, the, the Kindle line still lives on uh, very successfully. It seems like, although it seems like it's the only e-reader that exists outside of yeah, yeah. a weird Barnes & Noble thing no one buys. <laughs> but the, the uh, is that, oh my God, that's what it was called. Yeah. Uh, the Yeah, because even Sony got out of the market and they make all the panels. So, and they tried it with uh, smartwatches, which again, I, I loved the Pebble smartwatch. I still own a Pebble smartwatch. This is my opinion. Uh, if the company's defunct, I don't even know if I need to disclaim that. But whatever. I love the idea of e-ink on a wearable. I think that was great. But clearly I was the only one in the market that thought so. But maybe these kind of foldable displays, you know, we don't see them in mass market cell phones. But we do see them, 
you know, in field gear maybe or something like that where you need, where compactness is the, the primary figure. You know, you need everything to fit in your messenger bag and then you can deploy it and that kind of stuff. And, and maybe in that situation, not having to fold it 900 times a day like you would with a cell phone or a laptop yeah. becomes a little bit more of a saving grace there. Yeah. But weird. I mean, it's, it's cool tech though, right? It is like, cool tech. I would agree. I would love to get my hands on it, but. Yeah, I mean, even that, that was the thing that told me that that was what told me I was a nerd that even after with everybody like saying like the Galaxy Fold, I was like, you know, if I had the money, like I was like, I kind of still would would like to just play around with it, you know, and then sell it on eBay or something like yeah. that. But uh, sadly, I don't know. Well, at some point, someone will put it out there, right? Mm. Huawei is making a phone. I'm sure it'll be very easy to get in the U.S. <laughs> uh, and that'll get into our next thing. But the other uh, the other category that I wanted to get into here in terms of like weird gadgets that probably have no future um, is my favorite is the weird pop-up camera trend that we're seeing. We've seen now uh, OnePlus, uh, which is, uh, if you're not familiar, they are like a, uh, they used to be a value kind of phone manufacturer. They sell all online. You might not have seen them in stores or something like that. Uh, But they have recently come out with the flagship, the 7 Pro Plus or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And instead of having a standard selfie camera that's just on the bezel of the phone or in a notch or something like that or in a hole punch cutout, all of these weird schemes that we have. Yes. Instead, the whole phone, Trevor, listen to this. The whole phone is a screen. Where's the camera, you're asking? (laughs) There's got to be a better way. There's got to be. It's a little pop-up. It's like a pop-up flash uh, on a camera. Yeah. Except it's a camera, not the... Anyway, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, physically, there's a gearing mechanism that pops up the camera. You take your selfie. Mm -hmm. It goes back down. It goes back down. If you drop it, the phone detects this. It brings the camera back in. An interesting idea, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just a one-off. Maybe that's the only phone we ever see. Oh, no. Asus, another company I'm sure everyone's very familiar with. If you've built a PC, you, you've heard of yeah. Asus. Uh, but they, they make laptops and phones and everything like that. Not the biggest name in the U.S., but internationally a very very huge company. Mm-hmm. Um, they came out with a phone called the Zenfone, spelled with an F, which, by the way, I object to on moral grounds. Mm-hmm. But the Zenfone 6. It's like a track phone. Yeah. <laughs> That alone, let alone the <laughs> grammatical association. Um, they came out with the Zenfone 6 that it does not pop up. Mm-hmm. It is a flip-up camera. So the it doesn't have a front and a back camera. It just has a camera. Yeah. And this camera flips up when you want to take a selfie, and it flips back down. <laughs> so if, if for, yeah. you, for your money, all things else being equal, Trevor, do you get, you get like a notch phone that has just the standard camera up front? Do you get the pop-up camera? Or do you get the flip-up camera? All things being equal, I don't know. I like the way the notch phones look. I thought it was a good look. You know, I don't think there's really much use to add more moving parts on top of that. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing for me is we like the big deal with smartphones. It's like, hey, we we figured out all the solid state stuff. There's no spinning disk drive. There's no fans on it, like a like on a PC that can break. Yeah. Let's introduce <laughs> a mechanical part to this Mm -hmm. that we you know that's going to be subject to dust and and just just i mean you literally put it in a dusty linty yes thing 99 of the time correct um i'm referring to a pocket i don't know what else that could refer to a dusty linty oh i thought you were talking about like i put it in the dryer yeah i put put my phone in the dryer every night before i go to bed that's how you dry it out because you you dunk it in the sink to clean it as well yeah okay that makes sense um yeah it just it seems very weird to me. I, I kind of like the, the Zenfone approach just for sheer goofiness. Yeah. And uh, apparently it makes wacky sound effects, too, according to the article. 
that uh, you sent to me. So yes, it it, it yeah. Um, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what sounds it would make. Um, I'm hoping a slide whistle yes. is an option, or or you can assign your own sounds to it. Maybe some hands clapping. Oh my, that would be fantastic. Uh, if it said "say cheese," we could you could officially just distribute it uh, to children everywhere, and you'd mm-hmm. have delightful self photography um, for everyone. The I, I like that approach because at least it, cons- it like there's a, the reason for it is that it conserves parts. Yeah. Right. So you don't need two image sensors. You can just your best camera You're just using is the only one good camera. camera, and it just goes back and forth. Yeah. Um, I still would not invest m- like that. Not even these devices. I think both of these devices are actually fairly interesting in terms of the features they bring for the price that they are. Yeah. Um, but that kind of technology, one, guaranteed, at least for the Asus one, I guarantee you, and this is not a guarantee in any <laughs> legal way, uh, yes. that this design does not, the Zenfone 7 does not have this camera. This is a one-time gimmick for them. Maybe OnePlus, they seem a little bit more like this is a principle for them, that this is how they're going to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But even still, I I don't think this is... I mean, do you think at some point we're going to see an iPhone with a pop-up camera? Or are they locked into their notch notch life? That's a really interesting question because... Because that, that will be wanna, when it takes off, right? Th- that would be, exactly, yeah. And I, I just, I don't see Apple doing that, but maybe under Tim Cook they do? I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I maybe they would be hesitant because they've had this whole kerfuffle now with their new keyboards that uh, are causing yes. all sorts of issues. Yeah. Uh, and I've actually had an issue uh, on a work uh, work laptop, uh, 2016 MacBook Pro. That's It's not dead, but like the six key, like every third press, it's just like, nah, um, for about two years now, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> so maybe that, you know, and, and then also seeing, again, with more mechanical aspects that we're seeing in foldable, the, the early release of foldable phones. Mm-hmm. They would be hesitant to pull the trigger. What we do know is that if a company like Apple or even a Samsung, I feel like they're not going to, they're already not the first movers in this. But yeah. Certainly, Apple, if no other company, will be the last one to do it. Yeah. But then also tell you they did it in such a way that no one else has done this before. Yeah, exactly. These are this is the type of stuff that yeah the, the smaller re- manufacturers do have to be the you know spearheaded mm-hmm. until Samsung and yeah, Apple. I mean, it, but the and then the ultimate argument is that this kind of approach, to this will allow you to have a full screen phone, right? Yes. This, this bezel-less, edge-to-edge yes. display, which I I think personally is a little bit overblown in terms of a. I mean, it's certainly nice to get the biggest screen possible in the smallest form fo- possible, right? Yeah, sure. But I have a I have an iPhone eight that has the chunky bezels, the mm-hmm. old school iPhone design. Mm-hmm. I've never, and maybe I I'm just a I'm just basic. I'm a default as the Fortnite kids say, uh, <laughs> that I, you know, I just don't, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. I'm not living my TikTok, best TikTok life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we'll see if that takes off. I'm, I'm skeptical, though, mm-hmm. um, how, we're, how that will shape up uh, going forward. Something else we should be skeptical about is if we'll ever see anything branded Huawei in the country again. <laughs> uh, this is kind of a big, chunky policy issue. So, uh, Trevor, have you... I guess before kind of all of this uh, uh, trade tension kind of built up, how familiar with you with what were, were you with Huawei as a company? Well, here is uh, I, I promised you I had a uh, ace up my sleeve for this, and you are wearing sleeves. I am. Would you believe that the phone I have right now is a Huawei phone? What? <laughs> I didn't know the Chinese government was listening in on all of this. What what phone do you have from the Huawei? Oh, Honor Six X, I think is what it's called. Wow. It's a budget phone. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a uh, fellow with a lot of money, so mm-hmm. we both we both put our phones on the table, uh, so to speak. 
Uh, the so how, how did you buy this? Yes. <laughs> uh, I bought an unlocked one from Amazon. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Because I know, yeah, usually unlocked through them or through AliExpress mm -hmm. uh, is my other. Uh, I've seen them for sale <laughs> yes. on there as well. Sure. Um, AliExpress is my favorite place. Also, just to Google for random, like like Jeff Bolt Goldblum cat, and you'll just find like weird unlicensed merchandise for days. It's yeah. the best. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay, wow, that's awesome. So, so you so you have a personal stake I, in in this. Yes. What, what I guess um, have you been satisfied with the experience of the, it's the Huawei a, Live? It has been a fine phone. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's very obvious from the UI. I mean, I believe they built the UI themselves. They're very much trying to do an iPhone that's not an iPhone. Mm -hmm. um, but it is an Android phone. And it is, uh, I believe, certified as of now. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, so yeah, there's been a lot of updates. So if you're not familiar, um, Huawei d just isn't just a phone manufacturer, although it's a huge part of their business, uh, but they also do a lot of like back-end networking, not just Correct. for like IT. And I wanted to bring that up earlier when you were talking about building out the uh, 5G in oh, rural yes, areas yes. because uh, it was a big point of contention that uh, a lot of those rural providers wanted to use Huawei equipment. The U.S. Yeah. government was... Not well, on and, board with that. And they are currently using Huawei equipment. So, yeah, one of the big things. So, I, I guess to back it up, there's been basically a cold trade war going yeah. on with yes. the U.S. and Huawei. Going back to the Obama administration, it's ratcheted up uh, under uh, the uh, presidency of Donald J. Trump. That's right. And the the issue at heart here is basically saying Chinese government is, is, is this is a state-owned business. The Chinese government has hooks in it. They're going to be putting back doors mm -hmm. in all of this technology. And that, you know, the idea of putting that in a phone, there's a limited surface area to how valuable that is in terms of what you're going to get out of that. Put it in the right hands, yes, it's very valuable. Listening to me and Trevor on a on weekly tech news hour, mm -hmm. not so valuable for the Chinese government. Mm -hmm. Hi, Beijing. <laughs> um, but the the idea being, okay, they don't just make phones. They make this back-end infrastructure that's used for 4G, 5G, all over the world, very popular. I think they're the top, one of the top three, and certainly in Asia, they're the number one manufacturer yeah. of this kind of equipment. Yeah. Putting backdoors in that, much more problematic, shall we say. Now, it, it should be said that the U.S. is basically the strongest voice in the anti-Huawei crusade. Yes. The EU is having these debates right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, basically, they're doing security audits, and they're saying, listen, we don't see any evidence of it. If anything, we see evidence that their code is horrible, like it's just poorly written, Yeah, uh, which I think is really funny. And so that may be a security vulnerability down the line uh, because they're not patching and they're not they're not doing like basic maintenance of code that you would need to do to keep this stuff secure. Yes. So maybe that's like a backdoor backdoor in a weird way. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are a lot of uh, um, uh, places that we're seeing, maybe outside the U, I think the, even the UK has said, Okay, there are, there are basically two types of places you can install this. You can have your core infrastructure and you can have your non-core infrastructure. And the core is like the most backbone where everything runs over. In the most simplified terms, please don't email me if I'm wrong. Be yeah. quiet. Um, they're saying, okay, we're going to do it in non-core areas. So we'll still have control over the backbone with trusted providers and that kind of stuff. And the U.S. is saying not only are they not going to use it in non-core areas, but they don't make that distinction. Everything's a core network for them. Mm -hmm. Huawei bad. Don't buy them. They're you know, talking to allies there. I mean, this is like a security, a very big security issue where they're saying we might not share inf intelligence yeah. with other governments if they use Huawei 5G infrastructure. Correct. Um, and so now uh, there's been a, a development just this past over the weekend, basically, that the uh, President Trump has signed a, an executive order mm -hmm. declaring a national emergency 
uh, to protect U.S. networks. And basically now uh, the Commerce Department has 150 days or 180 days or something like that to basically figure out what that means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. Uh, but they've added Huawei officially now to this, uh, in, a, in a separate action, it's not part of the executive order, added Huawei to a list of, uh, it's called the entity list, where basically they have to get approval to buy any U.S. technology and no U.S. US providers can't sell stuff to them, yeah. which is kind of a big problem. Uh, as you pointed out, Trevor, uh, what operating system does your phone run? I believe it runs uh, Android. Yes. It runs Android. Uh, so now Google has, or it's been reported, Google has not confirmed this, let's be technical here, but mm -hmm. it's basically true. Mm -hmm. uh, Google has is no longer uh, allowing access to the Play Store if you buy it for new Huawei devices. It doesn't affect old Huawei devices. Don't worry, Trevor. Don't I was, worry. I was really worried there for a second. Yeah. Uh, you won't get any security updates, though, which is kind of yeah, a problem. That, yeah. But the idea being that um, this is a much more substantial business threat, an extent, existential yeah. business threat to Huawei, right? Mm -hmm. Because now they, Intel won't sell them chips. Qualcomm won't sell them yeah. chips. Those yeah. are the two big chip manufacturers in the world. Yeah. Um, so at Broadcom also is another network on their networking side is another huge loss for them. Mm -hmm. um, we saw this last year, I believe, with ZTE, which is another company that you haven't heard of. But so, <laughs> did you own a ZTE phone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't buy an Apple phone. They will they will embargo Apple phones if you buy one. <laughs> How long ago did you have this? Was it that a was, carrier branded ZTE phone? It was a Cricket wireless branded ZTE uh, phone, and it, I had it from 2015 to 2016. What what was your experience with the ZTE handset? It was very bad. <laughs> you had me at ZTE. Uh, so you have just on the ground experience. Are you are you registered as a foreign agent, Trevor? Is my question. Well, no. <laughs> so, uh, Trevor, this can play out one of mm -hmm. a couple of ways. Mm -hmm. uh, one is that this is part of a broader you know there's a, there's a broader trade war going on basically right now between the U.S. and China. And this is a bargaining chip, right? Mm -hmm. uh, at some point, this will be lifted, like, just like it was for ZTE, after reasonable assurances are made. The U.S. isn't going to be buying Huawei uh, equipment anytime soon, but they'll maybe it will allow you know, people to trade with them. Mm -hmm. uh, the other possibility is that it doesn't. It stays in place for quite some time. Maybe more stringent, um, stringent uh, sanctions and stuff like that go against uh, Huawei, mm -hmm. and they have to figure out how to operate without Intel, Qualcomm, Broadcom, all these companies that aren't selling, and the Google Play Store. Yeah. In terms of, obviously, I, I believe you hope that Android is going to be okay on your phone. Well, I also hope that I will be buying a new phone relatively <laughs> soon. That has been my uh, goal for a little while now, even before all this stuff happened in the past uh, weekend. So. Mm -hmm. I, I do think this is interesting in the idea that this is kind of, not an isolationism, uh, but... It kind of does harken back to a little bit of that because literally the rest of the world is like, uh, U.S., listen, we know it's from China. Okay, that comes with some, you know, you got to be aware of where it's coming from, obviously, but yeah. we're still going to use it. Yeah. Um, what is, is it just the U.S., this is the hill they're choosing to die on on this? Or like, is this, you know, is this a point of pride now that we've said, listen, Huawei's a security threat, regardless of what anyone finds, we're going to maintain that they're a security threat and we're not going to back down from this. Is this a uh, WMDs for a new generation? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're going into China. You know, Colin Powell's not holding up a circuit board <laughs> and go, you know, and, yeah. and saying that. But yeah, it does make you, it does make you wonder because, again, everyone's hacking everyone, right? Um, yeah. I, there was a recent security report out that said, 
you know, state-sponsored uh, or s- attacks that were believed to have been state-sponsored, mm-hmm. uh, cyber crimes, if you will, mm-hmm. are up, you know, like 50% or something like that. So like a very large percentage of these attacks uh, are coming from state sponsors, the U.S. included, right? Yeah. We're, we're not exempt in this. And it's just that so much electronics are ultimately made in China currently. Yes. That they happen to have this access to potentially do this, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So we will see uh, how this plays out. Um, but um, if you were planning on buying, going on Amazon and <laughs> getting your Huawei phone, it may be more difficult now. Maybe. Yeah, would not recommend. <laughs> This phone has been fine. The pedometer on the phone is not very accurate. That's uh, that's my two cents. A non-accurate pedometer. So the other, uh, the other thing, kind of related, we mentioned that Intel is no longer supplying chips. Um, Intel. The other uh, big news uh, this week is that Intel is bad at making chips. Yeah. Evidently, reportedly, evidently. So you may have heard about uh, Spectre and Meltdown vulnerabilities that hit uh, late 2017 and kind of were affecting stuff in early 2018. This involved something called speculative execution, which just basically means that CPUs, they need to like pull data from RAM and storage and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Speculative execution just means they're trying to, okay, based on past usage, I need to pull these bits in and out. And trying to do that ahead of time before they're actually requested to save you cycles in processing. Yeah. It's a super basic explanation. Don't tell me I'm wrong. I probably am in some <laughs> meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so there's major vulnerabilities that are inherent in the architecture that Intel uses to make all of their chips. Now, the exact same researchers who th- this caused a whole big problem, right? Yeah. Because this was not something that we could just say, yeah, just update your software. This is literally in the it's, silicon. Yeah. Uh, and now these same security researchers come out with another uh, problem, basically where information that is stored specific to an application in a processor buffer can be accessed across applications. And they were showing the ability on, on Intel CPUs, going back to 2011, uh-huh. the ability to basically uh, uh, remotely view what websites were being visited on a, on a owned computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of a major problem, right? Yeah. You would think? Uh, yeah, you know, a little bit. And the the other issue here is this, you know, this is a this is not an easy vulnerability. Do you kind of have to own the machine anyway? You have to have some very substantial access to it anyway. So if, if people are able to do this, I guess it's already a problem anyway. But the bigger deal here is that this doesn't just affect your computer at home or or even your work PC or something like that. Mm-hmm. This can affect virtual machines, which is a big deal for enterprise users, and uh, cloud instances, which is like what runs all of the services everywhere, mm-hmm. um, which could be a, a major problem. And then the, the the other implication here is that the software fixes that they do have for this decrease performance anywhere from like 3 to 10%, which, again, if you've paid for a computer, you expect a certain level of performance, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're getting less for what you paid for, I would be mad. Yeah. Um, you know, Trevor, we're, we're roughly the same age. About, yeah. We remember the uh, dancing uh, Intel guys in the bunny suits, right? These were the guys yes. that made... The chips, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've seen for years now, you know, yes, there's been AMD. And this is part of, partly the reason that we see Intel dominate is they control the license for their specific architecture. And they don't license it out very freely yeah. at, or at all. Um, and basically you have to reverse engineer and hack it and get sued by them for 20 years if you're before you can make a CPU. Yeah. So they control that particular architecture. It's called x86, mm-hmm. um, which is academic. The we, We've seen them historically, uh, at least over the past 10 years, really outdo AMD when it comes to technology, right? They, they make their processors more power efficient, 
more instructions per clock, which basically means they're just more powerful. Yeah. Um, we've seen them go into uh, smaller and smaller devices. They haven't, they've never been able to penetrate the mobile market necessarily. But basically, if you buy a laptop, 99% of the laptops that you want to buy probably run on Intel. AMD fanboy, stop writing that email. Um, now we're kind of really seeing that we're seeing that change on a number of levels. One that this this architecture that they've had now for forty almost forty years now um, has some very substantial flaws in it that are seemingly becoming more evident to exploit. Yeah, we're seeing that AMD finally is kind of figuring out, hey, Intel isn't innovating very fast. Uh, they used to have a, a kind of an approach to innovating with uh, our, our CPUs called TikTok. Um, which is basically they would update they would update uh, substantially like how the processor was designed and then they would make the transistor smaller which saves you power every other year mm. and it was very hard to keep up with that cycle it turns out it's very hard to do that for like 10 years and they've stopped doing that AMD is now innovating and, and doing some interesting stuff and becoming not just cost competitive which they always are but they're becoming more uh, performance competitive which is a big problem for Intel um, and now we're also seeing them not be able to uh, kind of shrink uh, shrink their uh, uh, chip making process. I'm trying to find a way to make that sound not weird. Yeah. Shrink their process, uh, which basically means the the size and the distance between their transistor uh, between the transistors generally gets smaller. This again leads to power efficiency gains, performance gains. Intel has basically been stuck on a on 14 nanometers, which is a very small distance. Yeah. Um, but other competitors, Samsung, AMD, have moved to 10 nanometers. Samsung has said in the next two years they're going to be moving to three nanometers, wow. which is, to, to put in some perspective, the diameter of a silicon atom uh-huh. is 0.25 nanometers. So it's like down so, to like a couple, uh, like 16 atoms worth yeah. of, uh, you know, of or less than that, 12 at whatever. I, math is hard. Down to uh, almost an atomic level of, of smallness, which is incredible. Yeah. Do you think this... How do I put this? Do you think that, one, this perception that Intel isn't, like, the best at making chips anymore is more damaging than actually not being able to make the chips? Like, is part of their success the perception that they are successful? I think a huge part of that is because when I think of chips, I still think of Intel first and foremost is because they branded themselves so well for so long and they, you know, were the originator thereabouts, you know. Do, 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 do. Exactly. Still think that I still little, think that jingle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. We've seen Intel inside on every PC, most PCs that you've bought. Again, AMD guy, don't email me. Yeah. Um, that, you know, they've, they've mastered the art of branding and for a time, for a very long time, were, if not always the best at making chips, or at least were competitive yeah. in, in some aspects. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, I don't know what's, um, what the the PC landscape looks like with a less competitive Intel. Now that being said, um, the Intel's not going anywhere, right? I mean, they're they're still going to be around. Uh, mm-hmm. They are again. They have partnerships with OEMs. They're in other businesses. They're in IoT. Um, they're in. Um, they're starting to get into more seriously into the emerging machine learning market. Da 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 da. Uh, yeah. Boring, boring corporate stuff that you don't care about. Intel's not going anywhere. Uh, but I do wonder if they're, you know, this moment of of just assuming that they're ubiquitous everywhere uh, is, you know, they can't get that back again. That's my thought. Yeah. Kind of weird. Well, we'll see. We will, uh, will indeed. As always. We'll as see. always. We'll see. Unless, uh, I guess, the apocalypse slap slash rapture happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I mean, outside of that, I think, uh, I think we're going to be okay. 
And then the last thing I want to talk about was uh, you're a gamer. Sure. Trevor. Sure. Did uh, did you ever play the Pokemon Go? I didn't. Uh, yes, I did. I played the Pokemon Go. So if you're not familiar with that, um, you're probably not someone that owns a smartphone. But there was a there was a hot moment where everybody was playing the Pokemon Go, and it still has like tens of millions of users every day. And it was kind of this crop of AR games that were seemingly going to be taking off. I, I think we've kind of cooled off on them a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the idea of you could hold up your phone and the camera would show the real world with these Pokemon characters. Yes. All around your yes. your Charizards. Yes. Your Bulbasaurs. Your Mister Mr. Mr. Mime. Mr. Mime, of course. Mr. Mime. Yes. Your Marowak's. Um, <laughs> that's all the Pokemon I know. And wow. those are some pretty deep cuts there. Squir- Marowak is my favorite of all Pokemon because he uses a club like a two thousand and one eight man, uh, which I very much appreciate. Anyway, uh, so that took off. Still has a lot of users. I always thought it was kind of weak that it, you couldn't like fight other people in real life and have your Pokemon murder yeah. each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Microsoft is now coming out with uh, kind of a sequel or, or a spinoff or a new take on their very successful Minecraft series. Minecraft, if you don't know, before Fortnite was known as crack to children. Um, basically, I mean, my, my cousins still love to uh, still love to play it. They're like, what, six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, and uh, there's, there's your huge Minecraft fans. Well, now... Microsoft is coming out with something called Minecraft Earth, which is a AR take on that. So, yeah, uh, and it has some really interesting mechanics that I I think will like. If I was going to, if there was a stock market for games that I think will make bags and bags of cash, I would invest very heavily in my, Minecraft uh, Earth or whatever. But basically, so you can collect resources in the real world as you're like walking along. You can just walk and you collect your bricks and your uh, stone or whatever. Minecrafty things you need to get fire is that a thing you collect in Minecraft? I don't know. I can't remember. It's been a while. So then, once you have uh, these materials, you can also go into uh, set aside areas. Pokemon, uh, what Pokemon Go? Yes. Had gyms that they had set up, so like you go to your Target and that was a gym or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Microsoft, what they're doing is they're actually vetting like physical locations, so like playgrounds and stuff like that that are like vetted so that if kids go there, like it's not going to be like a shady corner or somewhere or somewhere where there's like an open road or something like that. So they're they're doing all this vetting. So you go to like a playground and you have places where you can build your creations and show off your creations and that kind of stuff. You can also build like little platforms at your house and you and your friends can come over and you can build your little Minecraft houses and stuff like that. Then what I think is really cool is you can take those two public places and like blow them up. Yeah. So you take your little log cabin that you built that looks tiny on your table and then you can walk around inside of it. Um, did Microsoft just invent a printing press, <laughs> like a money printing press uh, with this? I mean, how, how huge do you think this could be? I, I, I mean, I didn't even realize. I just read the headline a few days ago, like Minecraft AR, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds like that'll be a lot of fun. And then actually reading... All of the possibilities you just laid out. Yeah, if I had the technology and this phone, uh, I don't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, this is. I think this is going to be big. This is going to be the next step in AR, like cell phone AR, that we've been waiting for. Because as you said, Pokemon Go does have its. It, 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 it's held back by just, yeah, some of its. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, like Pokemon Go didn't want to be a new the new Pokemon game. It wanted to be a separate experience, and I always think that held it back because yeah. if you had just made it like this is going to be just like Pokemon, except you're walking around the world. Yeah. I think that would have been, been huge. Would have been even more addictive, more but, huge. Yeah, but also would have lessened the the appeal of the next Pokemon that, Gold yeah, or whatever, correct. Platinum, whatever. Um, so the but Microsoft isn't held back by that, right? Minecraft is a hundred years old. Yeah. in video game terms. 
it's been around. They've they've squeezed. They you know they bought the studio uh, or they bought it from Mojang or yeah. whatever the studio was. Yeah. Um. And so you know they, they've they've squeezed all the money from that stone, and so they're not at, they're they're not worried about cannibalizing. I think those sales by introducing this, and so they can make it a full fledged game rather than an experience with pop culture relevance. Yeah. Um. And it, it kind of signals like Microsoft is like weirdly for being a company that you know in the late '90s, early 2000s was like. Ugh, Microsoft. I got to use IE6 on Windows XP. This is the worst. I want to buy my Mac. Ugh. And now, like, Microsoft all of a sudden, and I don't know if this is just the leadership of CEO Satya Nadella, is, like, not a... Microsoft's never going to be a cool company, mm-hmm. but they're doing a lot of cool and interesting things. Uh, we were also talking before the show, they announced that they're going to be working with Sony for some of their, like, game streaming backend. Yeah. They're going to be doing game streaming with, uh, with the Xbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Just like very atypical, you know, they're open sourcing a lot of stuff, which is really weird for Microsoft. And while this, you know, Minecraft Earth is very much a proprietary thing, Microsoft yeah. not giving that out to anybody. It definitely signals like I, I think a lot of the fears when they when they bought Minecraft was that oh they're going to ruin it. It's typical Microsoft. They're yeah. they're, they're going to ruin it or not innovate with it. Yeah, and they've done neither, and which is great. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, weird new Microsoft in 2019. Kind of interesting. Yeah. So, Trevor, I think we have reached uh, near the end of our weekly tech news hour. Uh, was it good for you? Uh, no. Okay. Well, uh, I take full responsibility, and I'm going to cry as soon as uh, the microphones are off here. So uh, thank good. you for that. Mm-hmm. The uh, Where can people uh, find you on uh, the radio, on cyberspace, if they are so inclined to uh, hear more of your sonorous goodness? Indeed. Uh, well, uh, I have a radio show on this very station, WRUWFM <clears throat> 91.1 Cleveland. It is called Treasure Trove Radio. It is on early Wednesday mornings from 1 to 3 a.m., a time slot I picked purposely because it's pretty much... Uh, work schedule proof for me because i either work very late or very early mm. so well this is this is good indeed and yeah so check out uh, treasure trove radio we may be hearing some audio promotion for that as well in a little bit mm-hmm. um if you are interested in uh hearing some more from me um one thank you uh i don't know what's what i've done but I appreciate that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Anthropology, MR Anthropology. You can also hear me. Uh, I will do a, another uh, kind of tech podcast called Daily Tech Headlines. All of the show names are very literal. Mm-hmm. And you can hear me on that several times a week if you just want a five-minute little uh, snippet of tech goodness. Uh, if you want to there, you can subscribe to that and your podcatcher of choice. And you can also find me. I write uh, for an IT blog called Gestalt IT if you are so inclined to check that out but if uh, if not if you just want to listen to me on the radio i'll be back next monday uh with another guest from 1 to 2 p.m uh and also we now have a podcast feed for weekly tech news show so if you missed any of this and you want to hear it in its entirety just search for weekly tech news hour weekly tech news hour i said show weekly, weekly tech, tech news hour. hour in your podcatcher of choice except for stitcher which i guess we're not there yet but the six people I'll talk to uh the heads uh, of the uh the uh what do you call it? The Stitcher Gods? Yeah, because okay. I, 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 I don't want to say too much. <laughs> I, I, I do work for Scripps, so Uh-oh. Scripps owns Stitcher. He's, I'll see what I can do. He's the inside man. Uh-oh. All right. Well, for me, for Trevor, from all of us here, I think at WRUW, I think it's safe to say, here's wishing you and yours to have a super sparkly 